Please pray with me. O Lord, open our eyes that we may see the needs of others. Open our ears that we may hear their cries. Open our hearts so that they need not be without succor. Let us not be afraid to defend the weak because of the anger of the strong, nor afraid to defend the poor because of the anger of the rich. Show us where love and hope and faith are needed and use us to bring them to those places. And so open our eyes and our ears that we may this day be able to do some work of justice for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 28, 16 through 20 is what I'll be reading this morning. If you would like to follow along, I'll give you a second to get there on your Bibles at home. It's also, um, looks like it's going to be on the screen, so you might be able to see that also. This is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, and I'll be reading from the Common English Bible, the, the translation from Greek to English that they try to use more common language so that it's easier to hear sometimes when read out loud. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them. I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And may God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation and wisdom and courage to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. So today is, as I said earlier, the the feast day of the Holy Trinity. It's the day that we celebrate a doctrine. So um, in early Christianity, there was an experience that people were having where they um, recognized the God of their ancestors, right? The God that is the creator God, the God that sent Jesus, that came in Jesus. Would We would say Jesus was God incarnate, God in the flesh, that Jesus came and showed us the character of God and what God is like. And then Jesus was murdered, but sin and death never have the last word. And so he was raised from the dead and he spent a period of time as the resurrected Jesus, the real, physical, living again Jesus, walking amongst the people, talking to his disciples, giving them final instruction. And what we just read is the last bit that Matthew records of Jesus' conversation with his disciples. There are some important things that happen in this, but one of the main things is that Matthew then expresses this idea of Father, Son, and Spirit. What we call the Trinity, God three in one, three 
versions of the same being that we call God. Now, it's not that exciting to teach about the Trinity. Anytime there is a confirmation class, this is the lesson that the pastor gets called in to teach without a doubt. Pastor, would you come talk to the kids about what the Trinity is? And then you got to come up with some ideas to help explain it. So some of the ways that we explain it is God is like an egg. One thing, but there's the shell and there's the white and there's the yolk, but it's all one thing. And the other way that one of the other ways we explain it is God is like water. There's a liquid form and a, 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 a um, solid form, which is ice, and then a gas form, which is steam or vapor. And so we use those ideas to help kids understand like this idea of father, son, spirit, creator, redeemer, sustainer, mother, son, spirit is, it's a way that we talk about the character of who God is. But it's not exciting to teach and it's not exciting to preach because most of us have this vague understanding of why it might even be important that we understand the Trinity. To me, it's because it gets to the heart of who God is. That God is relational. That God recognizes the relationship within God's self and that we experience God as relational. And so theologians of old worked really hard to come up with a way of explaining, this is how I have experienced God. I experienced God through going to the synagogue or going to the church and, and recognizing that God is my creator and the creator of all of the things around me. Therefore, I need to take care of them because I am in relationship with them. And if I am created like God, as we are told in Genesis chapter 1, then God wants to take care of us as well. So we are like God and that we are to take care of the creation around us. But I also, as a Christian, have experienced Jesus, experienced God through Jesus, the Son. Because Jesus came and walked amongst people and taught them what the character of God is like. So Jesus spent time around all kinds of people in relationship. Therefore, we ought to spend time with a lot of different kinds of people. We ought to spend time with women who have mohawks. And we ought to spend time with high school boys who are crazy. And we ought to spend time with middle-aged dudes who just want to watch TV and work on their yard, you know? I mean, we got to spend time with all kinds of different people and not just spend time with them, but get to know them, listen to them, share our lives with them, because that's how people experience God through Jesus. But more than just spend time with them, we offer them grace because we know that every single one of us is going to make a mistake. And we want to be treated with love and grace in the midst of our mistakes. So we ought to treat other people that way as well. But then Jesus departs the earth and makes this promise. I will be with you every day. 
So we experience God in the form of a spirit somehow. We don't have a good word for it. We don't have a good idea of how to explain it. So we do the best we can by saying things like, well, you know, like I was having a conversation with my friend and I just felt this real peace. I had more understanding about the decisions that I had coming up in my life. Or I learned more about who I am and how people experience me. And so now I can do less harm to other people. And that felt like the spirit of God to me. Or I was walking down the road. I saw that our previous board chair posted a picture on Facebook where she had gone for a walk and wanted to walk a mile. And at the mile mark, in the middle of a pile of rocks was this beautiful sunflower growing. And she experienced God in that. That is what we call the spirit of God that sustains us and gives us strength for the journey. Small little things, sometimes big things, that help us get through hard times and help us celebrate good times. But I want to focus on the idea of the Spirit being with us always today. The Trinity is important because it teaches us that God is relational. And when Jesus says, look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of the present age, that Jesus means that. But I wonder sometimes, if at least in my life, when I think of Jesus being with me, that I think that means Jesus is for me. And what does that mean? So when I was a kid, I didn't really like it when my parents would reprimand me. Anybody have that experience as a kid or if you are a kid? It's not fun. I would just want to ride my bike where I want to ride my bike. I don't need somebody telling me I have to stop at the end of the street when really there's a whole world to explore beyond the end of the street. But I would go ahead and go explore that world and make it back safely. I didn't see what the big deal was. I made it home in one piece, but I would get in big trouble. Sometimes the God who loves us isn't necessarily for us in the way that I'm always for the Kansas City Chiefs. Right? Fists up over there. Sometimes God is with me and for me in the way that my parents were when they were trying to teach me, yes, there is this big world out there for you to explore, but now is not the time and today is not the day. And so when we have relationships with people, Sometimes the way those relationships go is the Spirit of God is speaking to us through them, challenging us and disrupting us to think about things in ways we've never thought about them. It may be a deep-held belief that we have that came from our great-grandparents to our grandparents through our parents to us, and we're hopeful to pass that on to our children, but somebody is, is helping to disrupt us out of this ingrained indoctrinated way of thinking. Oftentimes, it comes in the form of political ideologies where we will have this grounded place and we feel as though we are being disloyal to our grandparents and great-grandparents and our parents if we break away from the way that they have taught us to think. But 
but I would say the Spirit of God is with us, helping us in the midst of our disruption to put the pieces back together in a way that is more Jesus-like. Because we have to be able to recognize that at times we were wrong, we are wrong. There's this story that I don't quite understand about Jesus. He uh, is talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman, we're told, and she asks him for some help. And he tells her no. I won't help you. And she has an understanding that he says no to her because she's a Samaritan woman. Two strikes. He lived in an incredibly patriotic or patri, pater, paternalistic culture and patriotic in some ways if you're a Roman, but a very paternalistic culture where men were not to interact with women, but especially women were not to interact with men. And so this woman is bold and she comes to him and she asks him for help. That's strike one. Strike two is she is a Samaritan. She is of a different culture and a different race than his and she needs to leave him alone. His culture and his understanding, the way that he was raised was that she is essentially unclean. They would walk all the way around Samaria to have to avoid talking to people who were that different from them. And she says to Jesus, Master, even dogs get to eat from the crumbs of the table of their master. I think that disrupted Jesus. I think that Jesus realized the way his parents had taught him through his whole life and the way his culture had pushed him his whole life may not be the right way. I think his eyes were open at that moment to some places where he had been blind or asleep. And she woke him up and opened his eyes and he did what she asked of him. Those of us who are in power, sometimes Jesus being with us, God being with us, the Spirit of God never leaving us, is going to put us in uncomfortable places where we have to think about things in ways we've never thought about them. And we have to hear things that we don't really feel comfortable hearing and we owe the respect through the relationship with other people to at least slow down and listen in the middle of our difference. Because it's in those places the relationship is formed and the Spirit of God can speak to our souls. Because at the very nature, the very essence of God, is relationship. If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to read to you quickly from it. Listen for the relationship that we're we find in the very beginning. When God cre began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape, and it was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. 
Some translations would say God's spirit swept over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And so light appeared. And God saw how good the light was. And God separated the light from the darkness. And he named the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. So there's a relationship between God and the light and God and the darkness. And between the darkness and the light, they're named one after one another because they're different than one another. But they work together because the earth needs a break from all of the heat. When I lived in Abilene, Texas, I couldn't grow a tomato to save my life because whatever type of tomatoes we were trying to grow needed a respite from the heat. And that place, while it may not get as hot, like the high temperature may not be as hot as Las Cruces, the low temperature is never as low. So we'll drop 25 to 30 degrees in the middle of the summer. They might drop 10. And so if it gets to 90, it's going to get to 80. Or if it gets to 100, it might get to 90. And the plants never had a chance to rest. They were constantly stressed. And for whatever reason, we could not grow tomatoes. The night is needed just like the daytime is. There's a relationship. God said, let there be a dome in the middle of the waters to separate the waters from each other. And God made the dome, separated the waters under the dome from the waters above the dome. And it happened in that way. And God named the dome sky. There was evening and there was morning the second day. So water and sky, there's a relationship, right? There has to be the dome over to catch the vapors coming up from the water so that there can be rain to water the land. It's all in relationship. God created in relationship because God is, in the, at the essence, a relational God. You can go through the entire story of creation and find this. And then at the very end, God says, let's make humanity in our image. From the very beginning, we can recognize that God is relational. And God wanted to do something more. And so we have to take care of creation, but not just part of creation, all of creation. So when we see people being harmed and we see people harming one another, we are to be the ones to step in the middle and try to put a right relationship in place. And when we see that a relationship is out of place, it's our job to do the hard work of putting it in place. We don't have to know what the end result looks like. The, the charge of a prophet, the charge of prophetic work is not to know what the end looks like, but to know what the now looks like. And so when we see people in pain and we see people struggling and we see people clashing with one another, our job is to figure out a way to find just resolution between those parties that are clashing so that all people can thrive and have life in the fullest in the name of God. we see that as the example that our creator gave us. When the decision was made, I've sent prophets, I've done miracles, I've done all sorts of things, and people still can't see how we ought to be, so I will go myself. And I'll start from a position of utter lack of power and authority, the position of a baby. And from there, I will grow, and I will learn, and I will let people know what love looks like. And the story of Jesus is that love looks like laying down your life 
for your friends that you know and your friends that you don't know. To lay your life down. And when we do it, we're doing it so that all people can experience life and so that all people can experience the peace of Christ. In the name of our most holy creator, in the name of our most holy sustainer, in the name of our most holy redeemer. Amen.